double shot with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald, or as I like to say, on Chante, Kaze. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> my Lord. Hey, where, where are we starting today? I, I, I opened the batting last week and uh, threw the question mm. down the mic. I feel well, like it's probably your turn. Where, where do you want to take it this morning? Yeah, it's, it's always yeah. quite random just to start of, lighten up the mood. Yeah, I've got a bit of a rant that I'd, I'd like. I'd like to just sort of bring out and, and spark a bit of conversation as yep. I do that that is meaningless to the balance of our podcast yep. naturally. But yeah, I uh, Dean and I had a bit of a tiff the other day. We don't normally argue, mm, okay. but uh, I I'd noticed that I'd had a few moths that got into some of my clothes. Right. Mm. So what do I do? Oh, no. I, I've gone to the store. I've bought some. Didn't you just renovate? Moth. Didn't you just bought- renovate your whole house? Yeah, but moths, like, you can't see them and they might have oh. been, like, latched on to because I'm wearing my winter clothes now, right? Uh, so they might have eaten them. I don't know if they ate yeah. them across the road when I lived there. Whatever, whatever. I've gone and bought these little moth ball things and yeah. I've scattered them throughout my wardrobe and Dean has absolutely protested the smell of them because he said they smell like my grandma's house and I hate it. Get them out of here immediately. And it didn't bother or affect me at all. And it got us talking about like, you know, stuff that reminds you of your your grandparents or like quirky things our grandparents did or enjoyed or whatever that, you know, we couldn't understand as kids and and some of us don't even really understand now. And I always laugh and and think about my grandma over in the UK and still speak to her often and, and she loves like really shitty game shows that are like, you know, 3 p.m. in the afternoon that I cannot stand, but she absolutely loves. And it got me thinking, you know, what's something quirky that reminds you of your grandparents or stuff your grandparents did that you just didn't understand or it still reminds you of them today? Is there is there anything that comes up? Well, I mean, I, I only actually knew one grandparent, which was our dad's mum. Yeah. And the one that jumps out... Um, Probably like early days, but it was it was it was that obsession with watching you know the six pm news. But I can kind of understand that now. I feel like in my thirties, I'm I'm kind of appreciating that. The one that I still don't get is buying like bulk things when they're on special to, to save money. Like you know, and 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 to the point oh, where so Nana would have all these lollies that she bought, tubes. They oh. were like two years past their use-by date um, <laughs> on special at Crazy Clark's, you know, <laughs> just couldn't Clark. couldn't go past a deal. Is Crazy Clark's the new rejection shop? I think it is, isn't it, basically? Crazy yeah, I guess, Clark's. I guess they're oh not around God. anymore. Yeah, it's yeah, just, just the around. reject shop and, and Choice Warehouse, I think, Cho- now. Choice yes. Warehouse, yeah. Was yeah. Crazy Clark's just a Queensland thing or was it a is it a Australia-wide don't know. Crazy, crazy, crazy clocks. Is that the song? <laughs> it is now. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that was it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now. So, so like specials. You know, I've, I still don't understand. Like even, even <laughs> I'll, I'll call him out on the on the podcast. But Nacker's around the office here. He's um, you know, he's in his seventies, and just buys <laughs> things in bulk. Like comes in with fifty cans of tuna, because um, you know there was a deal running. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> never quite understood that person. So, sorry, but you do that and you also... I don't buy 50 cans. I, 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 uh, might, I might buy an extra two if they're on special, but 50. I, 
No. I said to you last week, you had a big webinar night and I said, what lollies are you going to buy tonight? And you said, whatever's on special. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's a bit different to buying, you know, like uh, if they're on special, buying 50 packets of them. That's what my, my grandma used to do, yeah. This is true. This hey, is true. Oh, hey, don't you hey, um, hey, thoughts on this rental assistance. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this. Um, mm. I feel like it got very little airtime in, in the news here, but, but basically uh, rental increase, uh, an increase, sorry, uh, to the rental mm. assistance um, by 180 bucks a fortnight. Yeah, 90 bucks a week. Whew. That's quite a lot. Well, I mean, rents, rents have gone up a lot. They have gone up a lot. I guess that I guess that covers a lot of the main capital cities, right? Some of them might have gone up $150, $200 and mm. maybe others sort of more 50 bucks. So I guess they've landed on $90 a week. It kind of makes sense though. I think um, – I don't think it's increased, sorry, by 100 – I think it's gone to 180 bucks a fortnight from oh. 157 um, as of – September 20, but still 180 bucks a fortnight or 90 bucks a week in rent assistance from the government. Um, I, what I didn't realise is that there's more than a million Australians who get it. So mm. one in one in tw- one in 20 adult Australians get the rent assistance of 90 bucks a week. It's pretty pretty wild. I mean, like, I guess rental assistance is is another. It's well. I'm not going to say another form of social housing, but the government aren't delivering any really very, very, very little social housing in each state. Um, I think 4% is what they deliver, um, which is nothing. So it makes a lot of sense for them to uh, hand out uh, rental assistance, especially right now, especially today. It's a it's a feel-good story for government, no? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, feel, it'd be, uh, it's very tough if, if you, you're a renter out there at the moment. Yeah. It's... Um, you know, it's a supply issue. We talked about that last week. We won't back we over all that, but um, I think it's a great initiative. But I do also, you know, I'm, I'm back of envelope doing the numbers. It's about mm. $5 billion a year in rent assistance. Um, it feels like maybe it's a Band-Aid for putting that $5 billion a year instead into actually providing the supply. No, 100%. Um, not to say but I know, know the answer. They but, have to um, do, but, but they have to do both, cars because, you know, Opening up supply is is one thing and they do need to do that for longer-term benefits. Mm. Like it's a short, yeah, little sugar hit, Band-Aid over the wound, here's some uh, more rental assistance per week, but it, it still does not solve the supply issue yet. They need to bring on more social and or affordable housing, don't they? Um, yeah. But that's gonna take that's going to take time. You know what? You know what bothers me too? You've got some politicians that say, Strip out negative gearing, take away negative gearing from all the private investors, um, which is, you know, like a lot of money right here. I don't have the numbers, so I'm not going to quote it, but the, the money they give back in tax, tax on negative gearing per annum, strip that out and put it into building social housing. But when you put that into the hands of the, the governments, they're not going to deliver what the private rental market can deliver. No. You know, so it's it's not... There's no, there's no immediate fix. The fix is supply, and that's not immediate. Whereas rental assistance, I got off topic. Sorry, is a bit more of an immediate, but mm. it's not going to help if they're not bringing on more supply because the rents are just going to keep going up. Hey, uh, we'll go to Stat Fact next. Uh, we'll play the uh, the stinger for Stat Fact, please, producer. Stat, Stat Fact, the Stat Man. Stat Fact. Okay, so RFI Global, big research firm, came out this week and provided some really interesting data. 
homeowners on the same income as, so someone who rents uh-huh. versus someone who owns their home on the same uh-huh. income, homeowners put aside $19,000 worth of additional savings uh, over and above what renters were able to put aside since the pandemic. So you're saying homeowners, despite their responsibilities <laughs> to pay down their principal and interest, they still save more than renters? 19000 more over what since the pandemic. What's that been now? About two two and a bit years, maybe well, even three years. Well, I don't know. Yeah, when when do they years. count it from? Three, three years, give or take. So it's about five or six grand a year in additional savings. Mm. Now, obviously, uh, interest rates were at near near enough to zero in that, in that period. So... That does make a lot of sense to me, but I think um, I think it does also highlight what I, what I think is a massive misconception, which is mm. that a lot of people get confused when determining if it's cheaper to own than rent. They look at the repayments rather than breaking up the interest and the principal repayment. Because exactly because um, you know paying down principal is effectively a form of savings, isn't it? Well, it is because you, you, you're paying down debt that you may be able to actually use later or when you sell your property, it's fully tax-free money. Yeah, exactly right. Um, mm. I have done, and I'm not sure if you've got your head around this little algorithm that I've done here, but uh, I've come up with one of Australia's most complex spreadsheets, <laughs> which basically compares two people, right? So oh let's, say, let's say you've got 700 bucks to put aside every week. That's, okay. you've, it's got to cover your rent. And it's got mm. to cover your savings. So, so let's okay. say you, you chose to rent a place for five hundred bucks. Okay, and so then you got, you, and then you save two hundred bucks. Yes, yeah, so it's about what ten, just over ten thousand dollars a year. It's a very um, diligent individual, might I add. Yeah, ten grand a year, good effort. Mm. Um, mm. Example number two. Let's say you bought that house. Now, a mm. house that rents for five hundred bucks, you're probably what you're paying about six hundred thousand, give or take. Um, to get a house that you probably have to rent for five hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, if you borrow ninety percent, mm-hmm. the same seven hundred dollars, right? Four hundred and sixty-seven goes towards interest. Okay. So it's less than the rent, and the rest is savings. But where it where homeowners, and this is I think where that that data becomes really significant, is what happens over time is as the years go on. The rents go up. So that $700 isn't getting you as far. You're saving less and less money mm. unless your income is growing. Whereas yes. with the homeowner, you, you're paying down your home loan. So your repayments are actually getting less. Your interest as yes. a proportion of the $700 is becoming less. Over 10 years, would you believe the homeowner would save nearly 150 grand? The renter, the renter would save just over 50000 Wow. And and obviously the renter is subject to moving around, rents going up, you know, whatever Bonds it may be. And yeah, all, all yeah, that sort of licorice, thing. Yeah. Licorice, all sorts. I think, you know, I, I wonder if a lot of those um uh that saved that nineteen thousand on average over the last couple of years or since since the pandemic, uh have just chucked in the extra interest they would have paid whilst they're on low rates into their offset account. So I know a lot of people use offset accounts now and they're pretty awesome, I have to say. Very, I just, I don't know where you find the time, but I think that's a very interesting comparable that you've just done. Uh, I don't know where I find the time either. I've got a toddler. I don't, no, well, no, he's, you know, 
Mate, I don't know if a toddler is two months old. <laughs> I'm not sure if that counts. Oh, he's a baby. As I, as I mentioned to you the other week, a uh, listener of the show, Camden, came in and uh, we, had a, we had a little coffee actually. In fact, he doesn't drink coffee and I had a tea. <laughs> but uh, more or less we caught up and uh, he, he had a great question and the question was, the banks just told me I don't qualify. As yep. a property investor, what do I do from here? I don't qualify to borrow today. What do I do from here? <laughs> I have been told that many times, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> Evil laugh, unleash. We've all been um, told that many times, I reckon. <clears throat> Tell mm. me about it. The first, the first thing I would be asking is which bank, which bank has told you that you don't qualify? Um, and I want to know the the parameters around why. Why don't I qualify? Which is what I always ask my broker. You know, and he might say, well, I've run your numbers through NAB because that's who where most of your properties are with uh, and you don't qualify with NAB. Okay, so let's go try Macquarie or, or First Mac or, you know, let's try somewhere else and I want you to actually tell me where I'm falling short over at NAB and then maybe we can, you know, figure out, you know, he can ask mm. me the relevant questions and, and whatever and we can use uh, another bank. Well, that's it because you fall short for two reasons, don't you? And two reasons only. Sorry, You yes, either don't have yes. enough e- equity or uh-huh. you don't service. Exactly. Servicing is is your income. So that might be like, it, well, it's your income on your, your day-to-day, your salary, what you actually earn as an individual, but then it's also your, your income on your other existing investment properties, mm. essentially, isn't it? Um, and, you know, there's sometimes people have other income that they don't actually consider. So just make sure that you're squeezing absolutely everything out of it. So, yeah, get an understanding. Am I falling short on servicing? Um, which is your income, or am I falling short on equity? Uh, and then you can, I guess, go out and hustle as you need to. So putting aside another lender option, I would always ask these questions. Okay, what if I, <laughs> my broker's least what favourite if? three words, <laughs> Daniel, what if I, and he's like, oh, freaking hell, here we go. Reduce credit card debts always helps. Personally, I don't have any credit card debts. I don't have any credit cards at all. But this is honestly some of the, it's a big game changer. Mm. And the misconception, cuz, as you would know, is that people say, oh, I've got a credit card for $20,000, but I pay it off every month and I've only usually used up to three or four grand. It doesn't matter. You've got $20,000 at all times against your name. Yeah. And, the, uh, and it's about a nine for one too. So every Every nine dollars in credit card limit yeah. is yeah. nine. Uh, every one dollar, sorry, there is nine dollars of borrowing. So a twenty thousand dollar credit card, if you close it, could free up to one hundred eighty thousand dollars worth of borrowings. Huge, huge, huge. Um, and another question: What if I pay down my home loan? That can help mm. you. I think. Do you know the ratios on that? Well, right. How can that it, help you? That, these are all just rule of thumbs, obviously, but it's roughly three <laughs> to one. Roughly, you know. Every mm. dollar that you pay down on your home loan is at least $2 worth of borrowing and, and can be three depending on your situation. Very interesting. And that's because whilst your own home is is a wonderful debt to have because it's, you know, where you live and it's security, it is solely reliant on you, your mm. income and, and your partner, right? So And it's not that's tax it deductible. And it's not tax deductible. That's why it helps to pay it down. So you might have some, some sneaky stashed cash and you'll be able to pay it down. But Ask the question before you do it, right? Mm. Another one, car loans. Honestly, car loans are where 
home loans go to die. <laughs> Seriously, the graveyard of home loans starts with car loans. <laughs> Isn't it true though? So have a look and see, can you refinance your car loan? Better yet, <clears throat> what if you pay your car loan off? Don't know. Don't know. It's probably, it may not be the most efficient use of your money, but have a look at it and ask your broker the question. Of course, earning more money. How can you, how can you increase your income? That is always going to help you. And how much buy am I, you know, am I, am I a hundred bucks a week short? Because the broker should be able to tell you how short you are by, you know, X amount of dollars per week or month, which then gives you a bit of a goal where whether you can increase rents if you're fortunate enough to have them or or, mm. or you've got a job where you can have uh, overtime or, or commission or, you know, um, you know, work out a pay rise for doing more, wh- whatever the case may be. Or, or use your uh, new favourite thing to talk about, Facebook Marketplace, to see if you yeah. can, you know, whiz up some of your skills on the weekend and uh, go earn a bit of pocket money. Depends, it depends how badly you want it, right? And the, the last thing I'd say is, you know, are you able to borrow money from, from a family or friend? Uh, obviously, you might be able to structure a deal there with, with family or friend or, or whatnot to make that happen. And I guess it depends how close you are. So, Rather than just accepting, oh, crap, the bank has declined my finance, ask another question, what is my borrowing capacity? So, you know, if you've gone and bought a property subject to finance for $700,000 and you get a decline, that doesn't actually tell you, you might actually qualify to buy a $550,000 property, right? So just because you get a decline on a seven hundred doesn't mean you can't buy something at a, at a less rate. So ask, what is my borrowing capacity? Um, and if it's too low to buy something that you think is half decent, then obviously you need to ask all the questions that, that we just did. What if I, and see how close you might be. Could be, could be $50 a week, you know, and you might be able to, might be able to find it. You never know. So alas, do not take a decline as a definitive answer. We will debate. Debate. Great debate. Great debate. It's a great debate answer. All right, Kazi, we get asked this a lot. Should we buy property with a 5% deposit as a first home buyer? I guess the question is a bit of one out of fear, if you like. You know, if you're borrowing up to 95% with the bank, are you at risk of, you know, prices falling, um, you being in mortgage default and, you know, is there a huge risk and, and should we even do it or should we just wait a little bit longer a couple more years, save a bit harder and see if we can buy something, um, you know, with a, a 10 to 15, maybe 20% discount and not have to pay any lender's mortgage insurance. What do you reckon? It's a it's a whole topic of debate. I actually think the, the yeah. old barefoot investor, not a fan, not a fan. No, and uh, I don't know whether Jordan, Jordan's been at us to uh, wheel in his stinger on the great debate Um I guess it's intended for you and I to debate, but um, in any event, put, putting that aside, I thought uh, Scott Pape wrote in his um, Sunday column, The Barefoot Investor, mm. he basically just said that um, it, it's, you know, it shouldn't be possible for people to buy properties without a 20% deposit. Something similar was in his book. Um, in his book also, he, he sort of, as great a, a job as he has done for financial literacy, he's so off the mark when it comes to property. Doesn't um, like it at all, does he? Really anti-property. He owns commercial property himself, but anyway. Yeah. Anyway, he just doesn't 
in, in you know, not, not disrespect to him, he's very knowledgeable. He just has no idea when it comes to property because it's not his field, right? Um, the 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 big uh, sort of sticking point was well, you shouldn't be borrowing more than eighty percent because if the property uh, achieves negative equity or mm. if interest uh, repayments increase, then you're not yeah. going to be able to afford them. And uh, there was a lady called Linda who who wrote into him and, and said basically she. Uh, got the two percent deposit, um, which which must have been the scheme in New South Wales where you're allowed yes. to buy with a two percent deposit and get the help from the government. Um, mm. Talked about the fact that her rates were going to increase after they hit their expired period, um, and he basically goes on to say that um, she's deeply in the red. Her interest rate is about to triple, and her repayments could take f- food off her table. It's quite dramatic. Um, and yep. and and he says that her her home is worth less than what she paid for it. I'm not sure that's the case though. Like, how would he know? And I think you know what I would say is the only way I'd be buying with a five percent deposit, let alone a two percent deposit, mm. is if I was buying land in a capital city. And the reason for that is that that I think it's a, it's a really safe investment to make uh, because it will go up in value. That's the reality, you know. I've dedicated a whole chapter to my book in it that land will increase by seven percent above inflation. Foolproof. It has done since the start of time, because as a population grows, the demand for that land increases. I think, though, you know, I could put it down to three reasons why I think it is a good idea to to buy with a five percent deposit. The first one is that 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 the asset will grow in value, and and you know, it's 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 the only investment you can make in Australia where you don't pay tax um, on, on the profits that you make, which is your own home. Second thing is I reckon it teaches you very good habits. I'm, I'm curious to get your thoughts, but I bought my first investment property when I was 21. Wasn't a great saver at the time. Having a mortgage and having an obligation every uh, month to not only pay the interest, but ultimately pay down the loan taught me a really good habit around saving money, which I don't think I would have put picked up at such a young age without having owned a property uh, mm. in my early 20s. What, what are your thoughts on that particular point? Oh, look, I, I absolutely agree with that. But it, it's not to say, Kaz, that everybody will have the same habits just because they buy a property. But I think that when you have a loan, it is scarier than, you know, the consequences of you taking money in and out of your own savings account, isn't it? So you're actually faced with something a, a little bit hairier and, and scary. So it may actually force a habit to somebody that, you know, may not have had good habits beforehand. It definitely set the benchmark for, for me and, and my habits moving forward and, and they pretty much duplicated as I bought more property. You know, I just have money that comes out every week into um, my properties straight out of my pay. So I don't even have to think about it. Um, so definitely it created those habits for me. Absolutely. But but I also think too, you know, provided you buy smart, and, and that is the key to all of this, you've got to buy smart, mm. getting into the market is sometimes the hardest part. You may not be able to buy with 5%, you know, in a couple of years. Um, mm. There may not be such thing. Uh, and then you've run out of your, uh, your opportunities um, at a relatively good interest rate time, like right now it is a relatively good interest rate time, sure, not if you compare to the last two years, but getting in is sometimes the hardest part and you can always be smarter unlocking, you know, your Facebook marketplaces and, and whatnot 
to increase your income to help you make those repayments and and smash down your debt. Your priority needs to be creating good habits and smashing down principal place of residence debt. And there are a few ways to do that. You just have to be smart and you have to be disciplined. Look, and 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 there is a three percent buffer baked into our uh, our banking system. Baked. So you you, you <laughs> can't. You can't get a loan unless you can show the bank that you could service the loan repayments plus uh, additional repayments if interest rates increase by 3%. So mm. there's conservatism baked in there already. Um, mm. I guess I'm, I'm, I'm making that assumption uh, straight up. But you can't save yourself to, to wealth. It just no. doesn't happen. You've got to find ways to invest and there's no safer investment in Australia than the land near capital cities it increases by 7% or more. I agree. Second point, it does force you to save. I'm, I'm real big on that. You take out a loan and it forces you to be disciplined with your money. And then the third reason that I'd be doing it uh, with a 5% deposit is, as I said, it, it is tax-free money. You you cannot, owning your own home is the literally the only way in mm. Australia that you can make money and not pay tax on it. So every Australian should uh, have their own home. It should be a goal and a motivation for them because literally every other way that you make money in Australia, you're giving away at least a third of it to the government. Absolutely. You just got to have a long, long-term long view of that purchase as well. You know, five, 10 years, live in it, smash down the debt, be smart um, and don't panic. Do your diligence, you know, do, do your homework, do, do your due diligence. And I mean, to use the example of, um, you know, Linda, this lady who wrote in, um, you know, even if even if the interest rates have gone up by 3%, what's to say that she still can't afford it? You know, like like we, we don't know that, do we? Well, you know, you're right. So you're saying even if she bought it 80, 90%, what's to say she she couldn't afford the rates going up as well? Yeah, well, you know, you, 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 what can you afford? And then you reverse engineer from that. Banks will often allow you, even if you do fall into hard times, they know that in high interest rate environments, some people need mm. some help. So they'll let you go interest only for, for, for a year if you need to get onto your feet, uh, back on your feet or, or ride it out. Um, but anyway, uh, 5% deposit is an absolute yes from me. I would do it if I could. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Maybe I'll do it this weekend. We're going to jump into the weekend. Uh, anything planned? Anything exciting? <laughs> No, no, quick shots tomorrow. That's planned. That's in the diary. Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually going bowling with our office. And uh, let me tell you, the the shit chat that's been going around in our office group chat is astronomically fantastic because it's we're such a competitive bunch, even though only one of us is very good at 10 pin bowling. <laughs> I am I am absolutely horrendous, but I am probably spitting more game than anyone in that chat and that makes me laugh. I don't reckon laugh I, I don't reckon I've done 10 pin bowling for five years. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and try and rope hand into that at some point. It is very fun. I, I actually went last weekend for Corbin's birthday, my mate, and I actually won. I beat all the boys. Can Did you, you go figure that out? Can you go figure no, that out? Not surprised. You you're athletic. Not surprised. Dus that was me flexing into the <laughs> microphone. <laughs> all right, let's all get right, out of it. That's here. enough from me. Yeah, that's enough do. from me. Flexing All right, see you guys. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. 
For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.